it's just kind of working through my head this morning, not about the sermon, not this morning. I did that. You just have to be careful while you start off, right? <clears throat> I was thinking about some songs that we sing from time to time that uh, address the subject of our lesson uh, this morning. Songs like Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, Joy to the World. I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. I know you're going to have some of these stuck in your head for the rest of the day. That's probably not a bad thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, taken out straight from Scripture. Oh, happy day. And even I'm happy today. Songs about joy and happiness. Something that is supposed to be part of our core character. Not necessarily because we are the source of our own joy, but because of what God has done for us, uh, the blessings he's made available to us, uh, we should be people who smile a lot and real smiles, you know, the kind that involve your eye muscles and cheeks, real smiles, not fake ones. We should be people who can smile because, after all, we're people of joy. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, in giving the fruit of the Spirit, begins love, joy. It is part of the fruit that is developed in us by and through the means that the Spirit of God has given us, and that is the Word of God. And so it stands to reason that in so much as, as the Word of God is in us and working in us, then the power vested in it by the Spirit of God is able to produce the, the fruit that you and I are admonished to develop in our lives. And it's not something that God does to us. Otherwise, we would all be sitting in here this morning with big smiles of happiness and joy on our faces. And so we have to work at it. The problem is, as we're working at it, there's someone working against us who is trying to keep the smiles, the real smiles off of our faces and the real joy out of our hearts. And so today we live in a world that has a dearth, a famine, really, of joy. And since we are in the world, the church is in the world, and we are made up of people who are associated with and interact with the world, often it is the case that the dearth and famine of joy makes its way into the church. And Christians are like my preaching friend, Glenn Hitchcock, would often say, we look like we were weaned on a sour pickle. And so what do we do about that? Well, those who have known joy in their life but have lost it for some reason 
maybe not audibly, but in their heart, cry out for it. I think of David in Psalm 51, a person who had known joy but had lost it because of sin, because of personal loss in his life. He cried out for it. In Psalm 51 and verse 8, he says, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. And then just a few verses later in verse 12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of my, thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. So those who have known it but have lost it cry out for it. And the reality is it's available to all of us, but we are often guilty of allowing this one entity, this one being, to rob us of it. We've looked at already in our Bible class curriculum some names and some descriptions of that individual, that entity, that personage, whatever you want to call him. The devil, Satan, the serpent, uh, the adversary, just a whole host of names or descriptions that tell us about his work. I want to add another one that is just kind of assumed based on how he influences us and affects us from time to time, and that is the joy robber. Satan is the joy robber. And he will do just that. He will rob us of our joy. He will create a famine. He will create a dearth of joy. Not only in the world, which he's done very successfully, but even among God's people. And so this morning, I, I want to remind us of some areas that, that maybe are not in the forefront forefront of your mind, where we have cause or reason to have great joy. And he's been very successful of robbing us of that in those areas. Think about these with me again. Probably not things that you think about regularly, but I would encourage you to add these to your list of regular thoughts about ways and areas in which you, you and I can have joy and not allow Satan to rob us of it. The first one is this, joy over discovering God's kingdom. I don't know what it was like for you when you first came to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and you first had the opportunity to know about the kingdom of God. I don't know. Our experiences are all different, I suppose. But I think about it, probably for most of us, we were searching for something at that point in our life. We, we were looking for meaning. We were looking for answers. We were looking for clarity and confusion. We were looking for joy at a time in our life where there was a dearth of it, where there was a famine of it, where it just maybe even seemed like it, it wasn't even possible to have it. Have you ever searched for something else in your life, maybe a material thing, maybe the companion that 
you ended up marrying and, you know, just anything that you or any person that you have searched for, you've longed for this thing. Maybe it was something that was lost and you've been looking for it and you've been looking for it. Or maybe it was some store where you used to buy a particular item and the store closed down and you weren't able to find that item anymore and then someone told you, hey, they have that over here. It's something you were searching for and you couldn't find it. And think about whatever the situation is that you have maybe have in your mind right now out of those that I've described or maybe even some you've come up with on your own. Think about the joy that you experienced when you found that. When you discovered it. Now think about your finding the kingdom of God. Maybe your experience in coming becoming a Christian wasn't, maybe it wasn't that elaborate. Maybe it wasn't, a situation where you found something that you were desperately searching for. But what I'm suggesting to you this morning is if it wasn't like that, you can work retroactively and think about how fortunate you were, how blessed you were, how much of a reason you have now for having discovered the kingdom of God. Where would you be without it this morning? Where would you be if you were not a Christian? Where would you be if someone had not introduced God's kingdom to you? You see, discovering the kingdom. Maybe today here someone discovers it for the first time. But these pews are full of people this morning who have at some point in life discovered it, think back about what a blessing that is, that you found it. I think about Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. In, in giving parables where he's describing the kingdom of God and the nature of it, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found. And when he found it, what did he do? He hid it. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What, what is discovering the kingdom of God like, Jesus? Well, it, it's like a man who found a treasure. And he hid it so that he could preserve it long enough that he could do, go and do what was necessary in order to buy it for himself. And he was motivated to do that out of joy. Having discovered the kingdom of God should bring that kind of joy to us. Because there's this personage, this being the devil, that's a joy robber. And he wants to take that joy from people who've never discovered the kingdom and even from those who have discovered it. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13, Jesus talked about some folks who we could say were under the influence of the devil, 
under the influence of the joy robber. And he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who would enter to go in. You know, people can be instruments in the hands of the joy robber to rob people of their joy, and namely here, the joy of discovering the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 52, Jesus said, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the keys of knowledge. You do not enter in yourselves, and those who are entering in, you hindered. <clears throat> Sometimes when we think about our association and our relationship with and in the kingdom of God, we allow Satan to rob us the joy that we should have when we think about that. Whatever it is, whether it's the pressure of the world outside, whether it's because sometimes there are people inside the kingdom that don't act like kingdom people, whatever it is, Satan is going to use it to try to rob you of the joy that you should have because you actually discovered the kingdom of God. And what I'm trying to encourage us to do in this first place this morning is to not allow that to happen because it is cause for joy that rises above any reason we might have not to enjoy it. Number two, Satan is effective in his effort to rob us of the joy that we have over the Word of God. Not just the kingdom of God, but now think about the Word of God. This book right here. <clears throat> People who have discovered a passion for reading get joy from a good book. I'm just talking about in general. There are people who just love to read. And when you've discovered that passion in your life, you, you enjoy it. You're, you're fine. You just put me in the corner, give me a good book, and I can read it and be happy. We have a book from the hand of God. Sure, he used men to write it, but he was guiding every bit of their writing. It is from him through the instrumentality and the agency of man. It's his word. It's his book. And it is a book that has the capacity to bring great joy to our lives. But just like any book, if it's going to bring joy, you have to read it. You have to take it in. You have to digest it. In my schoolwork over the past three years, I've probably read somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000 pages of stuff. Some of it very practical, some of it very lofty over my head. 15,000 at least pages. My Bible, mine has 1,400 pages in it. That's very little in comparison to what is available in the world to read today. And yet, 
and all the reading that you might do in your lifetime, you will never read anything that has the capacity to bring joy to you like the Word of God. And it's just 1,400 pages in my Bible, at least. I figure as I get older and the print gets bigger, it might get to 15,000. I hope not. But there's no comparison to what the Word of God offers us. In fact, I would suggest to you that in secular writing, in medical writing, in counseling writing, whatever it is, the further you get away from God's Word being the answer, the more you have to write to try to come up with something that works as good as the Word of God does. There's no comparison, though. Why? Because God's Word has the inherent capacity to bring joy into our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, right? But you don't develop the fruit of the Spirit without the Word of God because it is the sword of the Spirit. It is the instrument of the Spirit that is used to accomplish what God intends, intends, namely developing the fruit of the Spirit. I like what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Can I say that? Can you say that? If not, it's not because of any fault of the Word of God. The fault is on me. I've just not allowed it to do in me what it has the capacity to do. Luke 8, 13. Those who fell on the rock in the parable of the sowers or the soils, those who fell on the rock are those who... When they hear, what do they do? What do they do when they hear the Word of God? They receive it with joy. You see, it's just sown, and when people hear it, they receive it with joy. Now, unfortunately for this soil, that that's like the rock, they have no root, and which for a time believe, and then when trouble or temptations or hardships come, they fall away. But that's their fault. That's not the Word's fault. And it's also the fault of the joy robber because he comes and takes the Word out of their heart. But the point is, the Word of God has the ability, the innate capacity to develop joy in us. And the joy robber seeks to silence it. He seeks to discredit it. And he seeks to minimize the importance and value of it. And I just wonder this morning how successful he's been for us. I think this is a test we can all take and we can grade it today. Some tests you take, you have to wait for a while to get a grade, but you can grade your own test this morning. And just ask yourself how successful has the joy robber been? in robbing you of joy over the Word of God? Is it just another book among those 15,000 
plus pages? Or is it 1,400 pages that inject joy and happiness into my life because I've discovered it? Maybe not. Maybe you're like the description in Luke chapter 8 and verse 12, those by the wayside are those who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart lest they should believe and be saved. Maybe he's just sucked it right out of your heart this morning. And my challenge and encouragement to you this morning is to remember you have in your possession a book from God that has the ability to restore joy into your life if it's lost or to bring it if you've never had it. But you're going to have to get into the book. You're going to have to read it and understand it and digest it and eat it up so that you can have that joy. Number three, Satan is effective and desirous of interrupting and disrupting the joy that we have when God is worshiped and glorified. I don't know how he tried to hinder you today from being here. I know as young parents, he can, he can throw some sticks in the spokes of the wagon that's bringing you to worship services. I know that. I've been there. I've experienced that. And I have looked in the past like you sometimes look when you come through the doors like you've crossed the finish line of a 50-mile marathon or something. We made it. But you made it. You made it. Despite the efforts that he may have tried to keep you from being here to worship God and to glorify and honor him, you made it. Regardless of what the hindrance may have been, you made it here despite those attempts. And now that we're here together, we have the opportunity to worship and glorify and honor God and to do that with joy in our hearts. Just think about a few passages here. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing with grace. When we sing and we worship God in song, that's an occasion for joy. Just like the songs I started out with. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So many songs that remind us to rejoice, and why we rejoice over the very privilege of being in the presence of God to worship Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Happy. Gladly giving to God. Not like the three-year-old who's been given a dollar bill for the first time to put in the collection plate, who is clinging to it with a blood-tight grip. 
but joyfully, glad to give to God of what he has given you. I like First, First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 17 where David said to God, with joy I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. And that should be the environment of setting and setting every time we come together in the privilege to worship God. Joy when God is worshiped and glorified. The joy robber's trying to steal that from you, but don't let him. Number next, number four, joy over a recovered soul. People get lost. They lose their way. Satan is successful at depriving them of the joy of having discovered the kingdom. He's deprived them of the joy of the word of God. He's diminished the sense of joy that comes from worship and they turn their back and they leave and they're lost. Sometimes they find their way back and that is cause for great joy. Satan's a joy robber, but there is joy when a soul is recovered from his grasp. Sometimes people die outside of Christ, unfortunately. Since 2019, the U.S. death rate, daily death rate, is upwards of 7,500 people. A daily rate. During the COVID pandemic, it reached 9,000 per day. That's a lot of people that leave this world on a daily basis. And I just wonder how many of those people travel the broad way to the point of reaching eternity. You know, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, that broad way leads to destruction. That's a lot of people leaving this life lost. It's no wonder that there's joy in heaven in the presence of the angels of God over one soul that repents, Luke 15, 10 says. It's no wonder that David framed it this way, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And it's no wonder when Paul and Barnabas worked their way through Phoenicia and Samaria in Acts chapter 15, describing the conversion of the Gentiles that the Bible says they caused great joy to all the brethren. Why? Because lost souls are being recovered. And maybe we've not felt that in a long time. But one way to fix that is to find lost people and lead them to the kingdom of God, expose to them the word of God, and introduce to them the joy of worshiping God. And we can be a part of recovering lost souls and be beneficiaries and recipients of the joy that goes along with that. The joy robber would have us just sit and do nothing. The joy robber would have you continue to be a mediocre borderland in the kingdom Christian. If he can convince you to be on the outskirts of the kingdom of God and keep you thinking you're okay with God when you're not, he's perfectly content with that. And you have no joy and he's happy 
that it is that way. Don't let Satan bask in the pleasure and privilege of having influenced you to walk the broad way that leads to destruction. And don't let him bask in the joy of keeping you and me idle, uninfluential in the world in which we live with respect to bringing people to Jesus. Finally, number five, think about joys and trials. Having joy when there are trials, difficulties, hardships in your life. I don't know this personally. I've never seen him. <clears throat> but I expect that Satan gets excited when trials come into our lives. Because he knows that that's an opportunity for us to fail. For us to turn our joy into sadness or disgust or disappointment or displeasure with God. If you just read just the beginning of the book of Job, you see how he was jumping at the bit to get at Job. Here's a man who Satan, in Satan's assessment of him, he was happy, full of joy, enjoying the blessings of God as a faithful servant of God, but if Satan could just pull the rug out from under him, he could destroy all of that. And he wanted that opportunity. And you and I might look at the book of Job and say, isolated incident, <clears throat> nobody else has ever experienced anything like that. Satan doesn't really care about us and destroying us the way he cared about destroying Job. And I'll just say you just go on and keep believing that. When opportunities come into your life that bring trials and hardship, and, and they will come, they will come. It's an opportunity for Satan to rob you of your joy. And the challenge for you and me is don't give up. Think again about Luke 8, chapter 8 and verse 13. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with God, uh, with joy, but these have no root. And when times of temptation come, they fall away. That's times of trials, hardships. When adversity comes, they fall away. Even though they came to it with joy, when hardship comes, they fall away. And Satan loves it. And your, your responsibility and my responsibility is to not give up in those trials. Don't quit in the occasions and times when the majority of people do quit. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren... You know what it says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be entire, complete, lacking nothing. And so don't give up. Consider it joy when you fall into trials, knowing that despite the fact that it's hard, it's difficult. It's not fun. It may involve loss. 
It may involve hurt and damage. We can have joy because we will make it through to the other side. God has so promised us. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, Peter says, Rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. The Bible says that, not me. And we're to believe it. We're to trust it because Satan would have us to believe otherwise. But if you and I will trust God and what he says about trials in our lives, we can still be people of joy. He will help us and see us through it. The bottom line this morning is we think about the joy robber and some occasions, not an exhaustive list, but some occasions wherein he seeks to rob us of our joy is this. We are people who have a cause for joy. And the question for us is, are we going to allow Satan to rob us of that joy? I expect that each lesson that we learn this quarter will help us be better prepared to keep Satan from doing just that, from robbing us of our joy. And so I encourage you to avail yourself of the opportunities, not just on Sunday, in our Bible classes, not just in the sermons that may be related to this theme this quarter, but also on Wednesday night when we have these men coming in who have been assigned topics that are picked for the sole purpose of helping us in our study of the devil, sin, and hell to retain our joy and to be people of joy and not to be robbed of it. May God help us reach that end and goal. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, might we encourage you to come to know the joys of salvation through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism for the remission of your sins. Become a Christian child of God today. If you are a Christian, but you got a big old spiritual frown on your face, <clears throat> I hope something has been said this morning to flip it over. It's in your power to do that. Live life with joy and happiness for all of the reasons that God has given us to that end. If we can help you in any way, if you're subject to the invitation, why don't you come as we stand and sing? Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. If you'd like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262, or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.